Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1987, four childhood friends were reunited after 10 years to investigate the murder of a mentor they all shared. During this time, they unlocked the deep secrets of the past and found themselves exposed to the darkness that surrounded them. Soon it became more than a fight for justice. And instead, it became a fight against the ultimate evil. Six months later, in the winter of 1988, bonded by their knowledge of the dark unknown, they have decided to no longer be the victim. Now they seek out the deep roots of satanic corruption that hides in the shadows of society, all the while trying to mentor a new companion, seeking justice for the death of his cousin. Institutionalized is the second story arc in the Chronicles of Darkness first edition story, The Ultimate Evil, set in Bismarck, North Dakota in 1988. Join us in this tale of satanic horror with Wayne, played by Adam, Che, played by Andrew, Alex, played by Mitch, Michael, played by Slavic, and the newcomer Derek, played by Tillman. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM, and on Facebook and Discord at Twin Cities by Night. If you'd like to help support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. So, Michael, you know the address that she gave you. It's an area in Bismarck called Fox Island. What Fox Island is, it's almost like a peninsula on the Missouri River. It is an area where people of money usually have homes there they're secluded they have large yards they have trees to kind of give privacy there's even some smaller islands in the missouri river if you would call that in a river an island where people have homes they usually have like docks that lead into the river some of them will have like fishing boats or or canoes or something to that extent during the summer it's a very beautiful area because it's vibrant and it's full of life. And there's like, usually like in North Dakota, there's a lot of plains outside the city, but here by the river, there's a lot of trees and a lot of people in the Missouri river will go boating or rafting or go swimming in there. But this Fox Island part is usually where richer folks tend to live during the winter, which right now is the onset of winter. The Missouri river hasn't frozen yet but there's snow on the trees that are around the area. And there's almost like this darkness, more of a darkness than like in the middle class area or the apartment areas that you guys have all lived in, where there's more street lights and something to that extent. Here, there's a street light here or there, but usually it doesn't break the darkness as much. So there's more of a private, distinct feel to this area. You follow the address and it leads to one of the peninsulas and there are three homes that are almost like in this cul-de-sac that is on it and the address for the one that you're heading to is the one that is closest to the river to where like the backyard would face the river and you would not be able to see really anyone else's yard from the front the house is made of red brick but it's rather large it's single story and it has like two white pillars that are in the front that kind of ha- hold up and support an overhead of the front door. There's a driveway that kind of goes along and parks along the front. Like it curves along the front where cars that belong to the residents will either park there when it's warmer or there's a garage or if they want to protect it from the snow. 
right now there's no cars that are parked there in the middle of the front yard where that little like driveway goes around there's a flagpole that has an american flag that is flying up on there you can see the river to your left and right as you pull your car up front and you see that it silently is moving in the moonlight it's not quite yet frozen but you see the snow is starting to stick on the ground and is not melting away you see a warm light coming from this large picture window but the drapes are closed and you can see like other windows that go along this rancher that too have light emitting from it as you pull up and you put your car in park what are you guys doing right now i'm gonna finish my cigarette before we go inside kind of um trying to delay heading in there seems like it's gonna be awkward yeah michael will wait for uh, everyone to get ready sort of alex fidgets with his hands for a minute and then walks right to the front door is there anything you want me to say is there anything you want me to not say and i'm just looking at michael Mm, i guess let's first see what they have to say to us before we reveal what we know i would prefer we don't reveal much right now i'm sure you guys agree i'm gonna look to both and i'm gonna nod alex is already walking to the front door after a few seconds of hand ringing as you guys walk up you're about to like ring the doorbell alex but then you see the door open because there's this warm front light that's already on and you see this figure standing before you he has right now he has like brown corduroy pants on and he has like a white polo shirt tucked in he has looks like he has some brown loafers on underneath the corduroys and he has a very thick gray mustache with kind of like a crew cut with his steely gray hair he looks to be fit about 5 170 pounds and he has very gray eyes that are looking at you when you're standing there and you you as you're standing there, you feel michael and wayne come neck to your left and right and you see his hand extend out and he's like oh, nice to meet you son what's your name and he's going towards you alex alex will hold his hand out my name is alex nice to meet you alex my name's jerry and he looks at you wayne and he extends his hand jerry nice to meet you my name's wayne sir nice to meet you good good and michael and he nods to you. he's like come on in and as you guys walk in, you walk into a little foray area where there's like kind of like tile that's on the floor and you see there's a closet to the left and he opens the closet. He's like, you can throw your jackets in here if you'd like. And as you guys throw your, he takes your jackets and puts them on in there and closes the door and he walks further along and you walk into this area that has like a kind of thicker brown carpet, like a tan carpet. You see there's brown leather couch and a leather reclining chair. There's a fireplace that's going. There's like a pretty good fire going on in it. You see there's a couple of bookshelves and there's like a desk that kind of has a globe and a typewriter on there. You see there's a painting. looks like a painting of some kind of landscape that's behind the couch. And he's like, hold on one second. Let me, uh, let me go ahead and get my client. And you see him like walk down the hallway. That's if you were to walk through the room, there's a hallway at the end there and he makes a left. And then you guys are standing there you see you hear footsteps coming back down and you see him walk in and he walks in with this lady she looks to be about five six she's about maybe 115 pounds very slender she looks like she's probably in her mid to late 40s she has gray slacks on with a black turtleneck she has these like black loafers that are on her hair is salt and pepper meaning it's like black but there's some gray streaks it goes to her shoulders. She has brown eyes. 
almost like a light tan color to her skin. I mean, she's Caucasian, but it's not like a forced tan. It looks like naturally she kind of has like a slight olive complexion to her skin. And she walks up and she has this really warm smile and like very bright white teeth. And she extends her hands and she's like, Michael's your name, right? And she kind of like, but she she does it in a non-feminine manner. Not saying she's not feminine, but she does it with a manner of confidence. And she extends her hands on her. Michael's your name? That's right, Miss Walkstetter. Oh, nice, nice to meet you. And she looks and she's like, you can call me Meredith. Don't worry about it. My name's Meredith. And she looks at you, Alex, and she extends her hand. And your name? I'm Alex. Hi. And then she looks in and you and your name is one last name and we'll be done with all the formalities. And she just smiles at you, Wayne. I'm going to try to give her the, the best smile I can give back to her. And I'm going to shake her hand and say, my name's Wayne. It's nice to meet you, miss. Good, good. Have a seat. Have a seat. Do you all want a drink? You look like you all can use a drink. I would love one. All right. What do you want? Scotch? I got, I mean, we pretty much got, we're well stocked here, even though I don't partake too much. Uh, beer, if you have it, any, any will do. Yeah, yeah. Budweiser good? That'd be great. All right. And she looks at you two, Alex and Mike. You guys want something to drink? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll have some scotch then. Yeah, okay. Definitely. Definitely. Two, please. Two. All right. And she's like, she's like, I'll be right back. And she walks. And he's like, no, you see Jerry. Like, no, no, I'll go get it. You go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. I'll get him. And you see him get up. And she's like, oh, thank you, Jerry. And she like walks towards the fireplace and kind of like warms her hands a little bit. Then she goes and sits in the and the reclining leather seat. She like motions for you all to sit on the couch. She's like, I hope you like duck. I'm making duck. I don't get often where I get to cook for people. So I'm cooking my specialty. I love duck. It's fresh. It's good. So hopefully you're a fan of duck. And she just kind of smiles at you all. And then you see Raymond walks in with the drinks and he hands you each a drink. And she's like, I got a feeling this, this winter is going to be a cold one. What about you guys? Yeah, we're going to freeze to the bone. Jeez, these wonder. I'm just waiting for the river to freeze. I already had him take my canoe out and everything like that. And hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully it won't be too bad this one. But it's a beautiful sight. I love the snow. I really like it. Soon next month, we'll start the, all the holiday festivities and Christmas lights will go up. And that's like one of my favorite times of the year. Get to drive around and especially around here and just the rest of the city and just seeing like the Capitol building when they put the Christmas tree up and they make all the windows shade. And, you know, like the Capitol building, they'll make certain windows because it's a really tall Capitol building, like 30 stories. They'll make certain windows green. So it looks like a Christmas tree, it, like with the different windows. And she's like, yeah, so uh, d- dinner should be ready here. Uh, Raymond, you want to show him where the dining room's at? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, as you guys are sipping on your drinks, he's like here, come, come with me. And he kind of mo- brings you into a dining room. It has a longer table where it looks like you see like 10 people, but that you see plates are set like kind of in the middle where a couple people will sit across from a couple people like that. She kind of brings out this duck and you guys have this duck and this delicious meal of like sweet potatoes and beans. And she's just kind of like doing a, doing some small talk while you're all eating. She looks at you, Alex. She's like, How's the duck? You, you liking it? It's uh, interesting. I've never had it before. Yeah, it's it's not too gamey, is it? Usually some people say dark meat duck is pretty gamey. I don't know what gamey means. Um, have you ever had like deer or elk or anything like that? Like deer sausage that they serve around here sometimes in the fall? Not that I know of. Oh, you usually can tell something's gamey when it kind of has like more of a, it doesn't taste as tame as like a hamburger would. Almost, you can almost imagine it. It's like a, almost like a seasoning of its sorts, even though it's usually comes from when you have a wilder animal that isn't like raised for to be butchered 
So like usually some people say duck is too gamey because it's hunted and it's not raised to be killed. And thus it doesn't have the same taste that you would get from like cattle or something to that extent. Okay. Yeah. So it's good. You, uh, you do anything else? Do you need another drink? Are you good? I'm, I'm good for right now. Thank you. Oh, no worries. And no need to thank me. I appreciate the company and everything. And as you guys are eating the meals, there's obviously this weird tension, right? When you're eating, because like, you know, you're there for something and you know, she's there for something, but you can tell she's not wanting to talk about it now. And she just kind of want to have small talk and having proper dinner. And then once like you guys start wrapping up dinner, this is awkward silence. And she's like, I know, I know, you know, I invited you here and I want to talk to you all. And we're almost there. I just, Sometimes formalities and sometimes just social interactions is comforting, I feel. And being able here to be normal and pretend everything's normal is perfectly fine. Listen, let's go out to my patio. I'll have some more drinks and I'll tell you why I have you here, okay? And she gets up and she walks. And you know, there's like a patio where she has like a lot of North Dakota sometimes will have these where they have like a patio and they have where you can like slide like glass down or you can slide it up and have screen. And then like some people put like kerosene, you know, like those like lamps that outdoor restaurants have sometimes where you turn it on and it warms up or whatever. And she has that set up. Now the windows are up. It's still kind of cold, but the kerosene lamps that are in the area make it warmer in there. And you see there's these comfortable chairs, like kind of like chairs that have cushions, but they're for outdoor that's facing the backyard where you see the Missouri river kind of going by and you see like the grass that leads down to it that's like like 70 feet of grass is kind of covered in snow right now it's not thick snow but it's definitely making the grass white and you can see the river go by you can see the milkweed silhouetted you can see even the you can see the the moon is kind of slightly like cracking through some of the snow clouds and enlighten it and as she sits out there you hear a click of a lighter and you see jerry is sitting next to her smoking a cigarette so basically they're sitting in two chairs and it's kind of like they're facing a direction towards the river to where they can see you guys who are sitting opposite of them in three chairs they're kind of facing the river but also the direction to almost kind of like in a circle but to where you all can have a view of the river and she looks at you and she's like i trust jerry i want to say that up front i trust his judgment and i trust advice that he gives me And he told me that this is the right step to make. I want to tell you a little bit about myself. And I understand how things can be uncomfortable because of my last name. And she's just kind of looking for a reaction of you three. There's a second where she lets that settle in. I divorced him before he died. I want to lay that on the table. I'm not a widow. I kept his last name because I found that name carries weight in this state and in the city. And I wanted to be able to do things. And that soon will make more sense. If you have any questions while I am telling you what I'm about to tell you, please interject and ask because I don't want there to be any confusion. I don't want there to be any kind of obscurity to what I'm saying. I don't want there to be any doubt left on the table. Can we all agree on that? And she looks at all three of you. I give her a nod. Alex will just look at her and take a sip of his scotch. Okay, then. Let's hear this. So I met Calvin in Boston when he was going to Harvard Business School. I'm not from North Dakota. Uh... I'm much back then what you would call a socialite, I guess is the term that they gave people like me, where my naive goal back then being 18 and out on my own was to meet someone of power and influence and who had money, who I feel could get me this lifestyle that I felt that I needed to live. And I met Calvin 
And he convinced me that he was that type. He said he was going to come back to Bismarck once he graduated. He was going to take over his family's real estate business, elevate it, and then he was going to run for state senator. He said he had connections in the, in the state government, and he said then he would get connections in D.C. And at that time, all I could see in my head was this young, attractive man who was charismatic, who was doing well in school, who had vision and goals, and I believed it. And I latched myself on to him for those reasons. It was There was no love there, really. I mean, he was attractive. He knew how to have a good time, I guess, but I never connected with him. But you have to understand though, I was a different woman back then. Really, I was a girl back then and I wasn't looking for connection. I'm a completely different person now than I was back then. I knew when he proposed to me, he proposed to me because he wanted a trophy wife and I was comfortable with being that. I was attractive. He had money. We had this unspoken agreement he could go do what he did, and I would go do what I did, and we'd live on. As long as I had my bank account and I had what I wanted, we'd be happy. So we moved back here, and it was a culture shock, if you can imagine. We lived in that ranch, and she looks at you. There's a moment where she pauses and looks at you, that ranch that you guys were at yesterday. And there's another silence where she's staring at you all, kind of sizing you up. Are you guys showing any emotion to that at all or no? Alex is stone-faced. Mike probably takes a drink. Yeah, I'm not saying a word. So I found myself, after a couple years, being more lonely than I ever thought I would be. I found those accesses and the money and the influence and all that didn't feel like anything. Didn't fill the hole that was inside me. But I also started noticing odd things. I started noticing that power players like people that i knew like from seeing at state dinners or even the times we go to dc and he was trying to like wheel and deal for potential future senator race i'd see these people show up to the ranch and they would all show up in a group they go all get on their horses and at first i thought they were just trying to play macho man try to pretend they were something they weren't they would ride off and they'd be gone for days and then they would come back Something about that, most forays that he would have with different people, they didn't sit right with me. And soon I found myself drinking more and more. At first I told myself it was because I was bored. Then I told myself the pills started happening because I was bored. And soon I found myself just like laying in bed. When At that point I had a different bedroom than him. I'm drinking a bottle of wine before it's even lunchtime. Still in my nightgown, staring at the TV. And then I started having nightmares. I don't know where they came from. Nightmares that to this day still thinking about them scare me. And you see there's a moment where she stares off at the river for a second. You see Jerry tenderly reach his hand out, his right hand, and he grabs her left hand. And you see him gently just squeeze it. And you see a moment where she looks at him and he looks at her. And you... Actually, let's do our first roll. She looks at him and he looks at her. And I want you all to roll me. Uh, let's do wits plus empathy. Before that, I want to get everyone's real quick to meet what's going on in their head before I give a bonus or not. What's going on in your head at this moment? Like if you were to describe your, your state of mind, Michael, what's your state of mind right now real quick? Michael's first like thinking of what she knows, but then he's kind of like, she's telling us an awful lot of things without actually knowing us all that well. So would you say apprehensive or 
definitely apprehensive and like very cautious because like cautious. he has to lead somewhere and he's not sure to what she's leading to. And what about you, Alex? How would you describe like in a word or two your mindset? Alex is very skeptical. Okay. But he's paying close attention. And what about you, Wayne? Uh, also skeptical, a little bit scared. Um, not really sure how she knows Okay, that they were there and stuff. I'll actually give you plus one dice because you guys are skeptical right now. So let's go ahead and get you guys all to roll that. And please let me know how many successes you got. Zero successes. Zero successes. All right. And what about you, Alex and Michael? I have one success. All right. And what about you, Alex? Zero successes. So when you see Michael, like that moment where they look at each other, you're like, oh, they're like in love or they're hooked up or something. You get the impression, you know, when people try to like hide for a second, when like a, a people, you know, who are together and they don't want anyone to know they're together and you catch that. Like it's a, almost like cop instinct. Yeah. 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 Cop instinct. There you go. You're like, Oh, they're romantic together. Cause you see that general warmth when he like kind of comforts her for a second. She looks at him like thankful that he's there. You two don't pick up on that at all. And then she says, I started the only, the only, the only way I can describe and you see, she's trying to think of the words to say what I started feeling. Then the only thing I could say I could describe it is almost like insanity. I feel like I was losing my mind. I felt like I had no drive, no desire to go do anything. I felt like the only way I, I, I felt like what I can imagine an inmate in an insane asylum would feel. I felt trapped, emotionally trapped. I felt like even though. In retrospect, I could have gotten a car, drove to an airport, and flown somewhere, and he would have been none the wiser. I didn't feel I had any will to do that. I felt a cloud of depression bog me down. That's a very scary feeling because the more you feel like that, the more you drink and the more pills you take to somehow try to feel something. And there'd be moments where I'd be sitting in my bathtub crying. Just to f the only time I would feel anything was when I'd be sobbing out of desperation and I would look at my pill bottle and I would tell myself if I just took all these and if I just drank this bottle of wine, it'd all be done. And I wouldn't feel anything. It'd all be black. And you see a moment she like kind of collects herself like she's trying not to cry and stuff started happening. I had passed out one night and I woke up, just woke up wide awake. I felt this urge. Like I had to walk. And soon I found myself in my nightgown, barefoot, walking down the hallway of that ranch. I was the only one there. No lights were on. So I found myself opening the door. This was in, I think, or 1977. Well, I know it was the summertime because I was able to walk outside barefoot. I could feel the grass under my feet and it, the wetness, the dampness of it. And I walked to the side of the house and I heard crackling and I could smell the arid smell of smoke and i looked and i saw him calvin he was standing naked his back was facing me and he was burning he was throwing a shirt looked like a black sweatshirt into a fire pit that was on fire i could see the dark cloud of the smoke from the clothes that he was burning going up into the sky i don't know what made him look in my direction but he turned and looked and i thought i was caught then because I, in his eyes, just in the way that he conducted himself, I saw what I think I knew the whole time was the real him. An intensity in his face, 
He looked right at me, but he didn't see me. It was almost like he knew someone was there, but he looked right through me. He went back in and I followed him and he never saw me. And soon the next night I woke up and did the same thing. And he didn't see me when he was in his office. And I stood there right before his desk and I saw him pick up a phone and he asked whoever was on the other line of that phone to kill someone for him. Someone named Amanda Porter. He told whoever was on the phone with him that he was cleaning up a mess for his younger brother, Charlie. And I saw him, saw him put that woman's fate into someone's hand and I did nothing. And again, I went back to my bed. I woke up the next day and I felt, you see a moment where she stops. I felt that urge to take those pills and drink that wine was gone. And I found that replaced with a sense of guilt because I felt whoever this Amanda Porter was and whoever Calvin talked to on the phone would have the propensity to be able to take her life. And there's a moment where she looks at you four or you three, excuse me. I was never dumb. You may think I was dumb. I had selfish behaviors, but I wasn't dumb. I knew he was distracted. I knew he wanted that Senate run. Him and I had not been intimate in years. So I started playing him like I played him when he married me. And he was receptive. I convinced him through more means than one that a divorce was probably best for us too. But it would be clean. There'd be no drama. He would never hear about me in the press. I would never say a negative thing about him. All he would have to do is give me alimony and I'd leave him alone. Matter of fact, I told him I'd help him when he ran for Senate. I told him I would do charity drives in his family's name if need be. I only imagine to this day, if I played my cards wrong, I could have ended up like that Amanda. I think the only thing that saved my life was that people knew me and they would notice if I was gone and would bring unwanted attention to him. I think that's why he let me go. And I knew at that moment when I was free that I had to do something about Amanda Porter. What I knew, I couldn't live with that guilt for the rest of my life. I eventually caught wind of, and she nods to Jerry, him retiring. Originally, I hired him to look into Amanda, see what he could find out about Amanda Porter, what was going on in California, what was going on here. He went to go talk to the Stanford PD in California. He couldn't really find anything out. She's like, this is where I show our cards to you and how we know about you. And then Jerry looks at her and he's like, I told you this, Michael, earlier, son. I'm going to tell you all three. You guys were causing a ruckus. We've been keeping eyes on Jay Bishop since he was released from prison, knowing that he had some kind of tie to Charlie and maybe Amanda. We were kind of looking to see who was coming to talk to him or who was coming to see him. No one really talked to him. We saw this one fella kind of scoping him out. Then we saw you all talk to him. And we didn't know who you were. You have to understand that. You all have to understand we had no idea what team you were fighting for. You probably noticed Jay's gone, right? When you went to go back, talk to him, he nods to you, Alex. Out of character, you went had gone to go back to talk to him at one point in the story, and you noticed all the stuff was packed up and gone. Yep, I remember. He goes and stands up and opens the door and he yells in there, Jay, come on out here, son. And you see, like, you hear this figure come walking down the hallway, and he comes, opens the screen door, and you see he's a rather large guy. You never saw him, Wayne, but you see this guy, he's wearing khaki pants, and he has, like, a tucked-in long sleeve shirt. And he has like buttoned up all the way to the top button. And he has like like a thick like chops and a mustache, but they're kind of green. He has a bald head. And you for a second recognize that, holy shit, this is like that Jay Bishop guy that you had the vision of at a much younger time. Both Michael and 
Alex, you had seen him before. And you see him go, oh, you, you're the two nice guys who came talk to me. You're all asking about Amanda and everything. He's like, oh, holy cow. Praise Jesus. You guys are here. And you see him for a second. He's just like got this smile. And you see where Amanda looks up at him smiling. And she looks at you too. Michael and Alex. She's like, you have to understand the reason why he we pulled him from there. And frankly, we're probably going to make sure no one finds him and keep him protected is because we didn't know what you were there for. You understand that, right? Alex just finishes his drink in one solid pull and puts the glass down on the table. And you see where Jerry is like, go on ahead. You can go back and watch your wrestling there, Jay. I'll come and talk to you later. And you see Jay like waves like, nice to see you. Nice to see you again. He like turns around and walks out and you see Jerry looks at you and he's like, listen, I saw you at the truck stop. I saw you talking to that Brian Eagle guy. I saw you talking to Dorling. I saw you guys go on Standing Rock, but I didn't have the balls to try following you there. But then I saw you at the ranch, son. And you see him looking at Michael. And I see that look in your eyes. And I've seen that look from some people before. I've showed you my cards, and she's showed you her cards. Before I ask you what you may have seen or what brought you to looking into him, I just want you to know my gut tells me you guys do good, and we want to do good. But I need to know, and she needs to know what happened to you and where you stand on all this. You see him sit back and he takes a sip of his drink. What do you mean where we stand in all of this? What happened to you? What were you guys out there doing? Because as you can pick up by Meredith's story there, Calvin would go out there too for quite a bit. What did you find out there, son? Yeah, we found his little torture hole. Why didn't you stop him, Meredith? You knew what he was going to do to Amanda. You didn't stop him. That's why I tell myself all the time, Wayne. And that's why I do what I do now. Well, You know... I'm sorry he hurt you, and, and he hurt me too. He hurt all of us. He was a bad man. God damn it, you should have said something. You don't think I live with that guilt? That's part of the reason why I'm talking with you right now, Wayne. That's part of the reason why I'm using what I got from him to find out, stop whatever he was involved in. Wayne, why do you think Jerry is here talking to you? Hmm? Let me tell you something, Wayne, and this is a hard truth. And this is something you can either accept or you can ignore and go on with your life. Calvin was evil, but Calvin was a branch of a tree whose roots go much deeper than everything that is around us. He was a fruit from a poisonous tree, Wayne, but there's more like him and there's more stuff he had his fingers in. You have to understand, Wayne, that a lot of this fight against the evil that he is or was or people like him are is unseen we take a risk right now talking to you three we thought we talked we decided and we knew we had to act we knew we had a short time period to confront you guys and to act because we know you're talking to terry murphy and while terry murphy may have good intentions he is way too loud about all this and jerry and i have seen that the ones that are the loudest and are not careful in this fight are the ones they go after. What did you see there? What did you find out? You said you saw his torture chamber. You know he's evil. If you don't want to tell me, I'll respect your privacy. But I'm going to tell you this. We have a proposition for you. For you three and your friend, if he chooses to do this or not, you can say no and you can walk away. And we understand that. We want to be unseen investors. We want to provide you money and funnel you all money under the guise of a business to continue this unseen fight. 
we want to help you all open a PI firm. And with Michael's background here and his reputation in the force, Jerry says that's very possible. We can get you the tests done. We can front you the money. You can carry on with your lives. But occasionally, when we find out information, we may need you to look into it. Here's why. Not all the time where are we going to find the answers. And when we do, we're going to have to be careful. Because when these people, these hidden monsters, whatever they may be, detect someone's on to them, bad things happen. And I hate to say this, and I don't mean to sound bad about the man, but I have a feeling Terry Murphy is not going to be around much longer if he continues to be as loud as he is about all this. It'll be a hunting accident. It'll be a drowning. It'll be a heart attack. It'll be a car accident. It'll be some to that extent. And we don't want to see you tied in that. And that is the only reason why we are making this step this soon. So that's our offer. You guys don't have to work. And if you want revenge for Amanda, which I do, and you want to stop further corruption spreading, and you want to bring this fight to them, we can help. If you want time to think, go ahead. It was nice getting to know you. It was nice having dinner with you all. Go talk to your friends. Go make your decisions. If you try to bring this public, we'll deny it. And with my influence, I'm sorry. And I don't mean to sound bad. It's going to, they're going to believe me. If you want to fight back, this is your opportunity. You can call Jerry with whatever decision you're going to make. Just know that I respect each of you three. And I'm sorry for whatever that pain was. I'm not going to make you dig through it. She's like, Jerry, if you show him the door and she gets up and she like stands in front of you guys and kind of offers her hands like to get up and shake your guys' hands. I'll get up and I'll shake. Um, I'm very upset, though, because of this conversation. Basically, hearing Meredith say that she heard um, she heard the, the call where he 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 like basically ordered Amanda's death. But at the same time, Wayne understands because he was also kind of you know, affected by this man's power as well. And he understands that, you know, what she's saying is, is very real. It's not, it's not an old Wayne would have said it's stupid, but uh new Wayne born again, Wayne knows that this is very real and everything she's saying is very true. And what about you, Alex? What are you feeling right now? Alex is just glaring daggers right now at Meredith, but he's a little intrigued because of the shit that he's seen, he doesn't want to sit on his ass anymore. He's pissed and he wants to fight. And what about you, Michael? Well, Michael really doesn't trust her now because, you know, she had her sob story and whatever, but like right after the sob story, she like came on super aggressive, you know, just when flagra, like it seemed almost like scripted for him. Like she rehearsed this or maybe like something else. <laughs> Might be a bad ST, and I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. It's it's just like, uh, yeah, he's going to need some time to think this over. For sure. So you guys find yourself in your car driving off after pleasantries are given. You're driving the car. Go ahead, scenes on you guys. Something odd about her. Can't put my finger on it. What do you mean something odd? She's She's just another lady who's... Just another lady. She's another victim. She's like us. I mean, sure, she's a victim, but I don't know to what extent she she's faking it or not. Living in that house with his fucking money, she's bullshit. She's not like us. And that 
And also, did you guys notice? I think uh, our Miss Walkstetter might have a thing for Heckberg there. Just got the vibe off of them. Know what I'm saying? So what do we do? Do we tell him to fuck off? Uh, well, what about this, right? It's Sunday right now, so let's meet Friday. Talk it over. And then we'll give our decision. We should fill Che in on this. Exactly. That's why I think it should be. We should have some time to think and process all this. All right. While they're gone, Che, what, what is it that you've been doing? He went to the post office and he bought some of that uh, brown like wrapping paper. Mm-hmm. You know, I have some twine at home and he's going to uh, he's going to take that uh, reel with the uh, the tape on it. He's going to wrap it in paper, okay? And I'm going to put the twine on it and everything. And then I'm going to write a little handwritten note on it. And he's going to take it to... So I kind of debated a while on this, okay? And it is internal debate. I had a couple of different ideas, all right? Okay. But I think ultimately, Jay's going to settle on what he thinks is the most right thing to do, okay? And he's going to take it to the police. Okay. Whatever is in there... With the, how he reacted before, he doesn't want to see it. For mm-hmm. him, this is done, and he's, you know, wiping his hands of it. I, he had a, he briefly considered it taking it to that uh, that reporter, you know, uh, but not knowing what he's going to do with it, not knowing if that's even the right thing to do in the first place, he decided, police for sure. But I'm not going to go straight to the police department and, you know, give it to the Bismarck Police Department. That's uh, he doesn't he wants to be anonymous. So you're just gonna like put it in the mailbox kind of thing. Uh, I was gonna mail it, actually mail it. Okay, gotcha. Like for sure, like drop it, it in there. a random blue mailbox and have it <laughs> delivered there. Yeah, exactly that okay. kind of thing. Just put it on there and pay the postage, all that stuff, and put it in there because I don't want to be tied to it at all. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to walk in there. So people see me. I don't want to have anything to do with any of that. And for there's sure. a little note that's gonna be inside with it. It's just like gonna say murder evidence somebody's gonna watch it when they see that on there for sure for sure it may not even be that at all i don't know what it is but yeah. that's what he, that's how he what he is doing while they're off having this meeting or whatever mm-hmm. he's getting rid of it he's like I, I can't i don't want anything to do with this for sure definitely definitely we'll say after you do all that you get back to your apartment and you hear your phone ringing at your apartment and that's you wayne calling him does he answer yeah, he would he would answer. He'd pick up. Like it's one of those things where like there's only so many people who call him anyway. Jay, what's going on, brother? Just got back from uh from that Meredith lady's house. Oh, she unloaded well. a lot of crazy shit on us. Yeah, oh, you think? Look, they know everything. They know basically everything about what we did. They had a, a pretty weird proposition, and I'm not really sure what you're gonna make of it. I already kind of said but i thought didn't i i was i not clear about it no you were you were it's just uh just wanted to keep you in the loop you know yeah i don't want you to feel like we were leaving you out well i'm 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 glad you're all right at least so you know yeah she's not a murderer yeah they were friendly folk uh something i don't know she seemed like she was laying it all on the table but there's still something i don't really i don't really like about it what just you know her her whole she gave us this whole story about her involvement with 
with, uh, with, you know, with Charlie and look, we're going to meet up on Friday and, and kind of talk about what went down. And I, I think you should be there, you know, and we'll hear you out, man. But look, you're a part of this too. So Friday night. Okay. Maine. Yeah. Okay. All right, brother. And I just hang up. So the week goes by. We're just going to kind of fast forward a little bit to that Friday night. You guys are all sitting at the bar. Go ahead. Seats on you guys. Wait, hold on. We need a. Uh... We need to have some uh, uh, some some music playing in the background, just loud like rock and roll '80s stuff going on. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. Living on a prayer is just like is <laughs> blasting through. Yeah, I, I'm gonna get more descriptive when we get to the. You know what I mean? The start of the story. I'm just kind of like you know progressing this prelude along. But yeah, definitely you have the music playing and you have hear the same. I'm not really setting too many scenes just because I just kind of want to. You know what I mean? Get us to like to concurrent. So I'm just kind of doing time jumps or whatever. Oh, like okay. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's what that's what this is. That's what like this all has been is just time jump to get us to where the current story takes place. So go ahead, uh, scenes on you guys. Yeah. On the music note, Alex is totally gonna just load up the jukebox with every Zeppelin song that they have available. <laughs> so I had just finished up uh smoking a joint outside around the back of the bar, and now I'm inside uh eating peanuts and throwing the shells on the ground, silent, just kind of waiting for the guys to to talk about this or for somebody to just talk about anything, you know, maybe not even what went down. Just if anybody just, you know, and he's just quiet. So you thought this over guys. What? Uh, I think Wayne told you about the offer that. Tell me there I, was I an offer. I didn't tell him. I, oh. I, I was very brief with, with what happened. I, you know, okay. I don't want to give him the whole thing on the phone, but. Fuck her. Let's take her money and investigate her. Wait, what? What is she wanting to give people money for? Oh, she wants us she's to trying start trying to buy us off? Because I already, took that, I already took that tape and I, I gave it to the police. Wait, you what? I mailed it right to them. We don't even know what's on that thing. Exactly. We don't, we don't need to know. You know, that could be evidence. What if there was another murder that could be... What if that saves someone? What if it gives some parents closure? We don't know. It's not going to save anyone. I could. Okay. I mean, you saw the same thing, Sweet Ed. Sending it to the police, we're not going to do shit. At worst, they'll say it's some weird hoax attempt, whatever. But, like, these people, they have connections, man. Yeah, well. Yeah, you did what you did was best. Whatever. I think it was a stupid decision, but... I personally believe we should start a PI company, but without her money. I don't. I don't understand. Can you explain more? Something about money and a PI company. So she wants to give us money. She's not trying to buy us off. She wants to hire us as PIs. Basically, she wants to. She wants us to look into stuff, and they're gonna. They're gonna foot our bill. Is the way that they made it sound, and it sounds fishy to me. But I'm willing to do whatever you guys are willing to do. We're in this together. I don't like the idea of taking money from her because whatever money she has is tainted. What do you think, Alex? No shit, it's tainted, but it'll give us a leg up on figuring this shit out. I, I Guys, I've been fucked for life because of this shit. I am pissed. I want to f- find out what the fuck is going on and put an end to it. So Che is kind of like sitting back and just like he's he's listening to what they're saying and like that last line just kind of really resonates with him. But at the same time, he's like really feeling like 
you know, these aren't good people. Like, no matter what she says, said to them, like, she's not, there's no, there's no taking this money. So out loud, he'll just say that, you know, um, I agree with, I, I agree with doing this, but like you said, not taking her money. So we do this then, but not for her. We do it for ourselves. Exactly. Awesome. I still say we look into her shit. I don't trust her. I should feel better that she knows about the evil, that she believes in it, like I do. But for some reason, it just seems to put me off more. She was still a part of it, and she profited from it. That fucking house. She still reaps the benefits of it. How can we trust a person like that? We can't. But money is money. All right, so Michael, are you going to call the next day? Are you going to call Jerry and let him know your guys' decision? So did we come to a decision, actually? I mean, are we going to take her money or not? That's basically the crux of the question. Because Michael Jay, Jay is willing to vote on it, but we'll go with whatever, even though he's not, you know, like if, if his he thinks, you know, oh, this is what we'll do. But like, I'll vote. And and if if uh, if he's outvoted, then he'll go along with it. But other than that, like he wants everybody like he'll even bring that up, I guess. Like, let's vote on it. Everybody. You know, what do you want? You can take their money or not. Okay, then and he'll all go along. If this, if you all think it's the right thing to do to take your money, then I'll go with you. But otherwise, I don't want to. I'm actually of the same opinion as Che is. I just don't trust her. So that's two against, and I assume two for. Uh, Wayne is actually also against. He has this superstitious feeling about her wealth and her money, and it's it's almost like he believes that her her wealth and her stance and her power is tainted by this evil. He doesn't want anything to to necessarily do with it. I mean, we can still start the PI company without her money. It's just going to be harder to do. And I still I say, have we, I say we take her money and use it against her. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that money comes with strings attached. Always does. Absolutely. But the best things back. in life are things you work for. All right, then let's do it on our own. Okay, then. We've decided. Are we still getting, we still getting paid by that dude from New Terry, York? Terry. Mr. Big Shot. Yeah. Did Mr. Big Shot send us our checks? Maybe he'll give us the money. Although, according to Meredith, uh, you may not be in the picture much longer. Well, let's just make sure we get our money before he disappears. All right, you're going to call um, Jerry? Jerry? Yeah. I'm just going to ghost him. You ghost him for like a couple days, and one day when you show up to work, you see him standing like in front of the entrance, and he's kind of looking at you, smoking a cigarette. You're in your uniform, and you come up, and he's like, uh, mind if we have a talk, son? Mm, sure. Go ahead. And he, like, walks towards his car and leans against the hood of his his kind of indiscreet, like, town car that he has. And he looks at you, and he's like, you haven't told me about your decision yet. We decided against taking Meredith's money. We felt we all had our own reasons, but... Uh, I don't think it'd be good for us. Yeah, I can respect your decision if you'd like to do it on your own. Let me, t- let me, and he kind of sticks his hand up real quick. We figure that that might be a case. We understand that you might turn us down and that's perfectly fine. Let me tell you this. There are some annoying levels of paperwork and loopholes to get into. Okay. That's just the truth of it. Starting something like this up is a pain in the ass. I'm not threatening you, by the way. I want you to know what I'm telling you. I'm not threatening you. We figured that 
you would not want to be indebted, which is normal, son, and I get that. Let me do this for you. And just hear me out before you say no. Let us start this up for you. And we won't ask anything in return. Let us do good. And there's a reason why, Michael. There's someone that Meredith has been taking care of. It's a cousin of Amanda's. We're trying to help him get on his feet. I get your hesitation. That's fine. But listen to me, son. And he looks at you sternly. This fight has to happen. Do you understand what I mean by the fight? Honestly, I think I do. But honestly, I think we want to find out on our own terms. How do you think that's going to happen? May I ask why you don't want her money? Why don't you want her help? I don't trust her. She's a walkstutter. She's a walkstutter, son. She divorced him. She left him. And I've spoken all of one evening to her. And, And son, all you saw... You took a what, a week to find out who Calvin was? Look, Jerry, I know you have a personal connection to her and uh, that you might feel insulted that we declined her offer. But we just didn't feel it was right for us. Son, you, and- think, I'm, you think I'm insulted, son? You think I'm insulted? You think I'm sitting here this petty? Let me tell you something. I don't know how much you saw. I don't know how much your friend saw. But I'll tell you what. I saw that friend of yours, Alex's eyes. And I saw how dark they are. And I saw how much pain was brought up when he told me what you guys found out there. Just in those couple sentences. This fight hmm, is larger than you think. You fault Miranda for keeping that last name. You fault her for that money that she has. What do you think she's doing with that money? I don't fault her for having the money. Hmm. I don't fault her for anything. I'm Mm -hmm. saying I don't know her enough to trust her. Here's the thing. What's the worst that can happen? Uh, You blame her for having that last name still. You know that woman has been fighting this fight in the lion's den. What is she supposed to do? Publicly decry the name Welkstetter? Bring attention to the fact that she knows what these people are like? Son, even her and what she has done is a cog and a machine where this fight is being fought on multiple fronts. This is more than Bismarck, son. This is more than the shit you saw from Calvin. Let me tell you something. You see that he's like getting really somber when he's talking to you? She didn't tell you one thing. She didn't tell you about how I was won over, how I started believing her. You think I believed this shit when she started trying to warm me up to it? You know my reputation. You think I would jump into this shit without even checking out, without having any kind of proof? When she found out that Calvin died in that car accident a few years later, she wanted to go to that damn ranch of his before anyone else got there. She spoke with some kind of book or some kind of fucking thing that made her not sit right that she felt was there. I climbed underneath the floorboards of that fucking house, and I found something that fucking changed me that I watched. I saw shit that I still see when I close my eyes that that, that fucking monster had on film. I saw what he was fucking capable of. She exposed herself to you because she wants to fight that fight. You get hung up on the fact that she kept the last name. Imagine being her. Imagine being her and constant fear. Constant fear that shit's going to come back to her. That whatever he was part of. You Jerry, can't... the Son. last name is just something I said. It's not the whole thing. What I said is I don't know her. You obviously do. I respect the work you've done for the force and you've done for the city. 
but like I said, we need to find this on our own terms. And it is possible that in the future we will help you. And, you know, maybe you'll help us in return. And that's good and great. But we've made our decision and we're going to stick with it. Okay. One thing. And now I'm gone. One thing. You're not dead to do us. We will let you run it as your own. We will let you finance it as your own. That's fine. Just let me get this paperwork done for you and do me the favor and take Amanda's fucking cousin under your wing because that boy's lost. That's the main reason. You want to know the truth? That's the main reason why Meredith wanted to get you that money. Not only to fight the fight, but to take care of this boy. You do that, paperwork won't be an issue for you guys. And you won't hear from us again. Cool. Just get it done and uh, can I at least meet him somewhere for sure just i'll take you to meet him after you get off your shift all right now uh give me his number and i'll call him and we'll meet him as a group all right and you look he pulls you see he pulls out another business card click his pen writes on it hands it to you good luck son yeah same. turn around and walk off oh hello again folks I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions so that your media could get the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow. With new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.